talk about sleep schedules bro yes <laughs> welcome 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 what's up what's up what is up back once again it is the incredible in the black podcast and in case you weren't aware this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown-ass men who know that if it don't make dollars it don't make sense i am your host big o mr in the black himself but you know i can never do this alone let me introduce the rest of the 92 dream team crush say what's up what is good everybody no doubt no doubt my man, my Elgin, man, bro. Say hello, Elgin. Say hello to him. Listen, I, I'm just thinking about Barkley in '92, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he was a beast in '92, guy. He was yeah, a beast. Yeah, he was. He was That's what we used to like. Carl Malone. That's a whole nother. Anyway, we ain't, yes. we ain't talking about Carl. Yeah, we're not What's good, about family? How y'all doing? No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And if you're checking this out on YouTube, please make sure to hit that thumbs up button. It goes a long way. And make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss out on the next incredible video. But before we jump into our incredible guest tonight, please, L, tell the good people where they can, uh, how they can become part of the family. Man, listen, you can go over head over to our website, intheblackpodcast.com. And in the right-hand corner is Become Family tab click it you can buy our swag you can donate you can become a member of our patreon we got some fire new shirts coming through man with the king emblem you know some 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 radical type stuff that oh had nothing to do with thank god but they dope as hell uh had to be outsourced you know what i mean but listen please feel free to come through help grow what we're trying to build here man uh you know how we do informed intelligent in the black come through so tonight as i said we have mm. an incredible guest uh he is a professor at the morgan state university and has spent oh. the past 10 years in pursuit of debunking the myth of black buying power please help me welcome to the show dr jared ball dr ball mm. Thank you so much for being on and taking time out and molding young minds and dropping gems to come and share some time with us. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you and I appreciate those graphics. I don't I don't get walked in like that too often. Yes, I appreciate it. Trying to make sure our mom and dads are proud. That's all it is, my guys. That's all it is. No one embarrass nobody. No one embarrass nobody. Now we are very familiar with you. Please tell our listeners, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself. Uh, what a short of it is, uh, I, you know, as I say all the time, I'm a father and a husband, and uh, after that, professionally. A professor of communication studies at Morgan State University. Uh, academically, I come out of a, a tradition of the the black radical tradition as it walked on to or entered the academic world, uh, particularly Africana studies and particularly the Africana Studies and Research Center as led at one point by Dr. James Turner, the legendary Dr. James Turner. <clears throat> so I like to identify that. Um, and then other than that, really, I've been just trying to be involved with and support any number of grassroots, uh, black radical political organization uh, and media making and journalism uh, for about a couple decades now. Uh, so uh, that's that's what I that's what I try to do um, and uh, uh, what I try to support. You know? Now, and let's, before you get started, oh, I. I know Dr. Ball tends to be incredibly humble with, you know, speaking about some of the things that he's done, some of the things that he's involved. Every time I hear him speak and people tend to highlight a greater thing that he's done and been involved with, I know he tends to be incredibly humble about that and appreciate it. But the things that he's done should not be understated. The value he has had to this current black radical tradition 
should not be understated in any capacity from what he's doing with it. Uh, I mix with a like what he's done with hosting many other panels and forums and things that he's been involved with, the, his grassroots organizing, all these different types of things. So he may not give and, you know, take a stand up, but I'm sure going to give him his roses while he's still here. Listen, that's that's new for your people of your union. So I'm glad that it's all right. I mean, you know, you know he, he wrote the bylaws. You know what I'm, saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not only a member, bro, I'm the president. So you're not I, 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 I know you. I gotta, I gotta be able to be sure. I just try to be a conscientious treasurer. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to recruit, bro. You know, we got a bad name. Well, listen, listen, can I just say, is I'm, I'm glad you all are mentioning this because literally, I think it was within the last 48 hours. Uh, because his name came up in another context that I had to go back and show my uh, wife and daughters the moment, as you say, I think my end of the tribe got got devalued for, during my generation. Uh, and I played them. I went and dug up the clip where Tyrese is introduced singing the Coca-Cola commercial <laughs> on the bus. And that's when it all ended. I remember oh, vividly. Man, it was at the tail end of the I'll Be Sure Christopher oh Williams Oh my movie. gosh, man. And when he did that, I remember, we. I was in the military at the time, but I remember vividly the room changed, everything changed, and I remember they, oh, that's it, it's a wrap. And ever since then, so Whenever I see a little attempt at a comeback, you know, I appreciate it on some level. But, you know, so, so this is perfectly timed. I literally was just talking to my children about it. I was like, this is when your father lost all his coolness right here. Your A days have gone and passed, my guy. Now, first question I have for you, as a professor of communications, what led you, pushed you, to writing a book essentially about economics. Like what, what brought you to that to say, okay, you wanted to debunk the this myth of black buying power. Why have you been on this journey? Well, I, I appreciate the question, but but I, I, I slightly have to disagree. I, that's my point. I don't think the book is about economics. I think it's more about, that's why myth and propaganda are both in the title because it's more about ideas myth-making propaganda and, and media. Uh, I think, uh, you know, honestly, the economics of it are relatively easily dealt with once the, the myths are just sort of peeled off and you could just look at the data. So I don't do the economic studies themselves. I, I, I work with some others who do. I support their work. I learn from their work. I try to highlight their work. Uh, and then I try to note the, the uh, gap between the work that they produce and what's actually reported often, unfortunately, in the black commercial press. But but in this case, so so that yeah, that's really what. And, and then as an activist, it really is where the question really first started, because I kept saying, uh, how am I in the room with all these brilliant, in some cases, extremely militant uh, and, you know, highly high level thinking people who would often come back to this mythology that we have this trillion dollars that if we use better, we could be more free. And then, I you know, because it just never met or comported with the data. So. That's really where it all comes from. So no, I don't. It's not really a book of economics. It's me trying to say there are some economists trying to do some really good and honest work, for, and have been for a long time. And it's not getting enough coverage or honest discussion in a lot of the media and spaces where we all end up talking. Yeah. And for me, where where I came across your information was as someone who has grown up in predominantly low socioeconomic environments, North Philly, the worst of the worst. Uh, Everybody I know is either poor or poor working class uh, black folks. And I see us grinding. I see us trying to make better lives and cultivate better communities for our people. But we're always having to try to make a dollar out of 15 cents. We're always trying to figure out some way to make ends meet. No matter how many jobs we hold, no matter how hard we work, we never have enough fucking money to do what we need to do. So when I heard all of these, particularly right after Trayvon was murdered, we heard how we need to begin start buying black and buying, you know, supporting black businesses. And every time there's one of us is murdered, that heightens and becomes the rallying cry for us, buying black, supporting black businesses. 
But it just didn't make any sense when I began to hear some of these great people, Amos Wilson, Dr. Claude Anderson, Marcus Garvey, Malcolm, all these different cats speak about buying power to some degree. It didn't make sense to see how poor we was, Doc. And then there's $1.4 trillion. That math didn't make sense to me. Uh, so one of the things, and I'm asked the question, one of the things that you mentioned was how it has been an intentional plot in many degrees, in many ways, to push this black buying power myth through propaganda because it was to stop black radicalism from going further and being more fruitful. Can you speak to that part, please? Sure. Uh, you know, uh, and again, that's where the myth uh, making and propaganda really comes into play, not just for us, uh, but for everybody. Um, but particularly wielded and directed towards us was this uh, uh, goal of saying uh, black people recognize the inequality. Obviously, it's suffered. A lot of people are trying to address it. There has been a long tradition of black entrepreneurialism, of black radicalism, of black political activity. In other words, from day one, it has ever been the case that black people have been finding ways to struggle in any number of different ways to, to get more free. What those in power have always been struggling to deal with is how do, from their perspective, we manage all of those tendencies? Uh, some of it is done militarily. Obviously, sometimes we suffer uh, assassinations and, and, and just this general abuse of the state through police or local militias and military or vigilantes. Uh, but in general, the preferred method, the safer method has always been uh, propaganda. This is one of the reasons why enslavement historically was was reshaped from the plantation to wage enslavement. One of the main reasons, as, as they said themselves, was the rebelliousness of the enslaved made the process too dangerous and less uh, uh, economically viable. Uh, and then certainly by the time of just quickly advancing up past World War II, the goal was uh, 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 develop what we now call mass communication or public relations or or public communication or advertising, marketing, branding, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, all of those uh, euphemisms were 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 meant to be deployed as psychological warfare, propaganda to to limit the range of thought, the public opinion of those being oppressed. And as it targeted black people, part of the method has been overtly developed to be about encouraging black business and black capitalism, black entrepreneurialism, and then some of the subsidi subsidiary myths, one of which I try to deal with uh, of buying power, but also of banking black and buying black. Mm -hmm. So it's not that we shouldn't do these things. It's just that we are encouraged to do these things because it's known that that will never get us any more free than we are. And it's meant to keep us from organizing politically and socially, which is all the only real areas of power that we actually do have. So. I, I think that it's very interesting that you talk, you put such an emphasis on the, the politics of it all, because there are a strong and large, oh, well, a very vocal group of our community that tells us all that political <laughs> stuff is for the birds. You should be focusing solely on economic power because that economic power is the only thing that people, read white people, respect in this country. So how do you combat that narrative? I mean, that's part of one of the reasons why I've been trying to deal with this for so long and why I it's tried to write a book about it. I right, honestly right. don't know exactly what to do. Uh, it's it's So what I've tried to show here is that the reason so many reach that conclusion, it's not, again, because people are stupid. It's because it's a highly propagated myth generated uh, every year. Uh, you know, I show some of the numbers in terms of how often it's repeated, but it's just re regurgitated so often with so much uh, uh, backing and, and support that it, and as you outlined correctly, it, it, it goes across the political spectrum. So whether you end up in radical spaces, more conservative spaces, religious spaces, non-religious spaces, African-centered spaces, Judeo-Christian, Arab, Arab Muslim-centered space, I mean, it doesn't matter. And that is what to me has been so remarkable and almost it's almost impressive, even as much as I hate it, how it's able to do how they're able to do this. And while literally citing only one source, one source. I mean, that's that's what is so 
I mean, it's it's gangster to put it in its simplest. I mean, it really is. It's it's like the Dick Cheney of of media. It's like I shoot you in the face and you apologize to me for it of 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 media. And I and I you know so so I really don't know uh, what to do. And I get it. So I've experienced this for a long time. You know, I walk into a room. I try to make this argument, and people are saying, "But Amos Wilson, Claude Anderson." Yeah. Malcolm Farrakhan, who the hell are you? Who the hell and, is Dr. Ball? And, and, and I'm like, I, I get it. And I even, and, and I admit it, over the years, there's been a few times where I probably even just sat quietly because I was like, I'm not in, I'm not up for it tonight. I don't have the, but the reality is, you know, I, but anyway, so I just try to lay out that this is why on this one issue, and again, I'm not arguing any of the other politics that these these mm -hmm. these men or women are about. That's another discussion, another time. And to, but just to say on this one issue, this is the how we got caught up, uh, and we've all gotten caught up uh, at, at one one point or another. So in other words, I really don't know what to do. This is why I appreciate you all inviting the discussion um, because it's very difficult to to. It's very it's difficult very, to do. I literally I have a Google alert on buying power now, and I just got another alert today with another 20 or so. I don't know that they're all related to black people. Uh, in fact, usually buying power is not applied to black people, it's applied to every everybody else. It's just when it comes to us, it becomes some kind of other vicious weapon. But I'll see, I'll look later when I when I look more closely at it. But again, it just comes up, it's almost on a daily basis that this is just coming out somewhere in some form uh, uh on platforms that get a lot of attention. Yeah. Dr. Ball, real quick, because I don't want us to, to, I want people who may be listening to us for the first time, we understand what the myth is and buying power. Let's start there and kind of lay the foundation. What is the myth of, myth and propaganda of Black buying power? Let's deal with that first before we get any further. Sure. Uh, so the, the shortest way I can do it is just again to say that you know, we've all heard a version of the 1.3 or $4 trillion. It's going to go up to 1.8 in a couple of years or and more saying that black people spend this amount. And if we were more responsible or financially literate, uh, we could invest it, buy land, stocks, support our businesses, uh, support our banks, do any number of things that would, so quote unquote, close these racial wealth and, uh, and income gaps. Uh, and the argument uh, ultimately becomes poor people and specifically black poor people are responsible for their own inequality. That if we were smarter, like Jews or, or Asians or, you know, various backgrounds or whoever, we would be able to do what they've done. Uh, and, uh, um, any, so that's, that's where the myth comes. That's, that's what I'm arguing to the myth. The, the origins of it go back to the turn of the, the, the 20th century where the business and political elite of the day wanted to figure out how to deal with a very a much more organized and rebellious labor class at the time who were recognizing, look, we see we're producing more for you. You're getting more money. You're making more, more wealth. But what we're being paid barely changes our, you know, our status in the economy. So to say, well, how do we keep them from rebelling? The question is, how do you figure out how much to pay somebody without letting them become rich enough to change their station in life, but not become poor enough to where they get desperate enough to actually rebel. That's where they, then the, in cost of living surveys and all that, that's where the, the, what they, what it became transformed into by the middle of the 20th century in large part with the help of, of John H. Johnson ooh, and the black uh, commercial press uh, was, was a marketing and brand approach to get white corporations who are now by now spending you know 500 or so billion dollars annually on ads to spend more of that with the black press so they wanted to work with government officials in the corporate world to say look black americans don't want to be rebellious we just want to be middle class we, we pay our bills on time we're good with our money and in fact that was so that's see that's where like it's so slick like today we're told we're so foolish with our money but the myth originates by people saying we were good with our money, would save and spend properly and would become, quote unquote, brand loyal from jump. So from the beginning, the, the power, what power really means in the phrase is the power to spend and enrich the, the, the companies that own the products you're buying. It's a way of, of, of 
helping marketers find a way to target their targets more specifically. So they want to say, well, black people spend X amount of dollars on on this or X amount of dollars on that. That let's target our ad revenue that way. But the the numbers are themselves spurious in their development. The the, the methods aren't clear. Uh, uh, so the numbers don't really, uh, you know, the the the, the one point four trillion or whatever isn't based on any economic reality, and that's admitted in the reports themselves. Uh, and uh, uh, and then it's misreported. And this is where it gets really tricky, and I and I have to say, really unfortunate again, because what often happens is, as is just the case in the last couple of weeks, the Nielsen Company will work with the Black commercial press to develop these survey or these quote unquote studies with the claim from the Selig Center in 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 Athens, Georgia, uh, that produces the buying power reports, the sole single source for this claim. It's the black press working with Nielsen, promoting the Selig Center report with the claim different from what the reports themselves say, that instead of it just being about how to get black people to, to spend their money, it gets reported in the black press who helped create the myth that this is money we actually have and can spend more responsibly uh, uh, and can do better for ourselves if we weren't so foolish and ignorant. So it's it's the very people who are helping produce the report are also misreporting the information in their own quote unquote studies to produce this mythology that so many of our community have taken up without checking. So it's it's just unsustainable in its method, in its analysis. And if 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 I try to lay it out and if people I mean, I just yeah, invite yeah, people to yeah. check it out. I mean, it, it's you can't have one single source that is based in marketing and branding convincing an entire community of black people that we have an economic position that we don't actually have a psychological grift financial too why do you think that we have this um this attachment to that economic power or stance being our only gateway out of our doldrums now. Like I think from a, a top level or from a surface level, it seems as though that's the only thing we feel like we can control. Like it's a meritocracy, you work hard, you stash your money away properly, eventually you're gonna be able to get out of it versus looking at politics and policy. We've always been taught that the system is, has been against you, specifically you as black people. Do you think that, that that's the reason why we're what? so, Adamant about it, or is there? You think there's more to it? I think there's more, and and I always I, I have to credit uh, Dr. Nathan Connolly with putting it this way. It's 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 a response to a political pessimism that we've been encouraged mm. to. So if if so, now this now this next part is on me. I don't want to put this on him. Uh, <laughs> that what I how I would interpret that is, if we look at whenever uh, elements in our community rise up to say we need political power we need you know uh, redistribution we need uh, you know uh, political uh, 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 policy that actually addresses our condition those elements of the of the community are the most viciously attacked and by that i mean militarily as well so it is it is um uh, uh, uh it is through counterintelligence program operations historically it is through uh, attacking the 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 um, uh, uh, political organizations most aggressively. So we start with that. It wipes them out and then it encourages through a propaganda. You know, I talk a little bit about in the book the 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 moment of the Nixon administration aggressively trying to redefine what black power means to and, and saying we want it to mean black capitalism. And they literally said, don't listen to Kwame Ture, don't listen to Stokely, don't listen to Malcolm, don't mm -hmm. listen to the Panthers, don't listen to none of that. Black power just means capitalism, business, and uh, 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 Democratic Party mainstream politicians. Wait, so anyway, so, so, so it's just a massive uh, psychological warfare campaign that comes up to sweep up the mess of the military victory that has us convinced that this is our only method. And that's that's where the Dr. Connolly is correct about the pessimism is is in, comes in and it's imposed. We have a, a we are pessimistic about where our real power actually is, which is in political and social movement power. Go ahead, Crush. You was about to say something. Oh no, I mean uh, it it just seemed like you know the propaganda was also in a way, you know, the the, the idea of 
of black capitalism right there uh just kind of reminded me of that of, of, a, of a way of a well, slick way to assimilate a segment of a society that would otherwise want their own place. Mm-hmm. I mean, would that be fair to assume? Yeah. I mean, so again, you know, part of the hustle is that those in power know that the way they accumulated their wealth was through first military uh, uh, conquest, violent conquering. I mean, it was through enslavement, genocide. It was through warfare. It was, you know, I mean, that's the first thing. I don't even talk about that in my book, but that's that's really the first wave. Then they realized after that they could they they took control or, as they say, captured the apparatus of power, which is uh, state in this case, the state. And then they supported the businesses they wanted to support. They crushed the ones they didn't. They went to war to conquer more territories are constantly at war. In fact, I was just telling, you know, my 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 teenage daughter today we've been we this country has been in the latest war longer than you've been alive 20 almost 20 years now so if you look from 1776 on you can't really find i think even a 10-year period where the military hasn't been put to use for something or another so they're constantly conquering and expanding smedley butler darlington smedley butler i think was his name the famous marine who said at the end of his career, I've been conquering territory for big business my whole life. What's going on here? Like, what have I really been doing? So anyway, so, so that's what they do. Then they set up a business. And we, as we just saw this past summer with the CARES Act uh, and the HOPE Act, I think it was called, they redistributed about $5 trillion to, to, to the most elite using public policy. They didn't set up small businesses and get their entrepreneurial game together. <laughs> They just went to their people in Congress and wrote some bills and said, give us some money and then give the poor people a couple $1,200 checks and a couple of unemployment checks. And then we'll cut that off at the end of July. And then we'll have a political game between the Democrats and Republicans and blame each other. Meanwhile, nobody will get anything else. And we will have already taken $5 trillion. And that's not so, even counting the 3 to $4 trillion that they got from the Treasury and the Reserve, too. I mean, so, so, but again, that is all public policy. But then, but then they tell us, no, 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 no. You don't we need don't to worry it. about that. Just go start selling something to your, to, to your fellow equally poor community. And somehow that is going to raise you all up to where we are. And that, so that's, 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 so it is, it's, 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 it was really all just a hustle. Uh, um, anyway, so that's, you know, I just, you know what, I want to say thank you first and foremost, because I have known Elgin for going on five years now, probably a little bit more than that, but around that time. Right. And at the beginning of that, I was always stressing this need to jump into the policy and politics of it all. And he would always lambast him. He's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not it. Because you can't trust politicians because you can't hold them accountable. And the fact that he's been able to learn some things from you has now swayed him a bit. And he's starting to gain some level of common sense. So I appreciate <laughs> some Wow. Some level. I, 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 appreciate <laughs> you lay, I appreciate you laying it down. You. But you know what? And honestly, just to, to piggyback off that point, though, I know he's making a joke, but... I remember listening to Dr. Ball talk about how difficult it is to have this conversation with some people, to introduce this myth to some people because they pull out all these big names, these big trump cards to knock this down. And I know when I introduced this topic to O and I sent him a video, probably about 45 minutes later, Doc, he sends me, where'd you get this information from? You know what I mean? And ready to challenge what was being said because it goes countercultural to the individualized nature that we find ourselves you know, black. It, it wasn't now. necessarily that it was counter to it was contrary to what we constantly hear people mm-hmm. yeah, hear yeah. and by and far. So for me, yeah, we've always had parents. this conversation that it is for us to be able to achieve some level of uh, power. It needs to be a multi-pronged effect. But you have a lot of people, once again, that they push just economic power. That's how you get all of the other stuff. Yeah. And for to hear someone actually saying, no, we have to really focus on the, not saying that we shouldn't focus on those other things, but we do need to pay close attention to the politics and the policy is a was a breath of fresh air, which caught me off guard, to be very honest mm-hmm. with you. 
And I mean, and I, I, I look, I appreciate all of that because I, I get it and I get how difficult it is. It, um, but uh, the now the, it is also another part of the trick bag that the political part is that we have to re uh, uh, address and redevelop how we approach uh, electoral politics uh, as they're currently constructed. So I'm not advocating and this is another level of the, the trouble I find myself in, is that I'm not advocating that we vote for the lesser of evil or that we vote for the Democratic Party, I don't, that we're certainly not the Republicans. I think we need a whole different approach so that we can actually raise up the candidates and the platforms and the arguments and the social movement pressure to make those uh, uh, platforms enactable. That's that's ultimately what I'm saying here. But and so so really what I am arguing is that we need, you know, a massive uh, uh, movement sustained and organized and much more radical than we're, we're seeing now. If we want the change that we, we, we say we want when we claim we're going to be able to do it through business. Uh, so, uh, again, I'm only saying that um, uh, or I should say I'm not saying we should not support our businesses or, or whatever. I'm not saying we shouldn't try to develop businesses. I'm simply saying that we should stop. Uh, uh, falling prey to the delusion that that will solve our problems because that has not worked for any group in history, certainly not a colonized group as, as I'm arguing ultimately that we are still here. So let's speak about hip hop then doc, because sure. early on, listen, early in the book, in my top five, dead okay. or alive, Jay-Z is up in that top five, okay? Uh, but when he dropped 444, 444 for me was an eye opener because I'm now gravitating towards this radical thought process, this radical politics. Then I hear this guy come talk about, you know, the story of OJ, how he's an idiot for not buying, you know, the art and all this is and pushing this politics. And I'm like, hold on. There's something wrong with this shit. Because, but then I began to see more of our entertainers, more of our rappers, particularly pushing this black entrepreneurship, which is contrary to what we had back in our in our day with our rappers who were far more radicalized. But I struggle with seeing or feeling if that is an intentional thought and an intentional action from them to be nefarious, or is it just part of them getting caught up in the capitalistic game? Yeah, I, I I get all of that. I I don't uh, I personally. I I try not to, without massive amounts of evidence, make a judgment on what their intent is. You know, I, my assumption I is. Yeah, I mean, my, my assumption is, and I and I grew up listening to Jay Z. I, I uh, you know, I've often joked that up until you know he he retired his Jay Z part at the Black Album, that I was among his biggest Ooh. fans too. He's my biggest contradiction, actually. I, my polit he never matched my politics, but I always loved his music. <laughs> I went to see him perform. I mean, I was, you know, I, 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 I saw him in a in a small performance in D.C. some years ago where he moved the crazy. He did every. He was the consummate performer, hip hop performer. Uh, uh, broke up a fight when he dropped. You don't know. I mean, he did the whole. I mean, he it was brilliant. But what he ends up doing is what it's kind of like when they talk about in sports they say that uh formerly uh um mvp caliber elite caliber players are not good coaches because they have a problem not seeing their players live up or play the way they did mm. it's kind of like that in the sense that we have elite talent performers with rare elite level careers using that platform as if to say to everybody else, you should be able to do what I've done. Like, 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 it's like, you know, one of the reasons, you know, I mean, you know, Michael Jordan's frustration was often about other players not being able to live up to his ex, you know, but we're not you, you know what I'm saying? I, like, I can't rhyme like Jay-Z. I can't dance like whoever I can't, I'm, I'm not at those. Very few of us are at these elite levels. But it shouldn't take being at that elite level to sustain a level of decent living and, and safety and comfort and health care and housing. So when they start, so, you know, they get caught up in the mythology themselves. I think they get caught up in the mythology of their own career. They've been hearing nothing but, you know, yes, and you're the greatest for decades. They've been given millions of dollars. They realize how the game is played on some level. And, and Jay-Z has admitted I don't rhyme like Talib Kweli or Common or The Roots because I don't want to get paid like them. Yeah. 
So he said, he said before that, I slowed down my cadence. Some of us remember how he sounded when he first came out. <laughs> Hawaiian shirts and all of that. He slowed all that down, put on a different uniform, started talking more about his drug. I mean, he, he changed it all up and, and did something else. We all can't do that. So, uh, uh, but he made it clear that he's not a radical activist. He's not here to, to lead a revolution. He came in to tell everybody that Kaepernick's time was done. And he helped gentrify Brooklyn by claiming he was an owner and leading the, yeah. you know, I'm a, one of these days I'm going to bring you some nets. I mean, we heard all of that. But, <clears throat> uh, uh, but anyway, but he's not, but he's, he is in part promoted uh, and his career has in part been sustained so long because he is there to carry that message. I mean, his message has always been about black capitalism, do it for yourself. Um, I'm not here for, you know, he's never been about politics, you know. Uh, um, uh, yeah, anyway, so his his allusions to radical figures historically, if he might mention a, even a Larry Davis or a Malcolm X, he's not doing it in the context of radical political organization. He's doing it as a, you know, a, 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 a brilliant cultural reference and shout out as if to say, I'm always a part of you, but he's really, you know, representing a very different class and a very different um, uh, politics than, than, than most of us. Uh, and then his analysis sounds like that. So that's why it's wrong. I mean, it's, 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 it's just uh, advocating something that can't be useful um, uh, for the rest of us. So. I don't think that it's an understatement, at least from my perspective, you can please kick back if you want to. I don't think that it's an understatement to say that your book on some level is controversial, just based on everything that we've already discussed. Who has been, who have, who have or who has been your biggest detractors in terms of you writing this? Because like I said, me hearing about it caught me off guard. And I know how I felt hearing about it. I can only imagine how those that are contrary to this messaging felt. Who have been your biggest detractors? I mean, that's a good question because honestly, the... I don't hear from anyone who has read. I, I, I'm trying to think, have I heard from anyone who has actually read the book and then offered a critique? I don't think they, so. They sideline hustling is what you're telling me. They just well, honestly, I, I mean, somebody can correct me and I'm easily mm -hmm. reached. So it, what, what I usually get is either omission. Uh, in other words, I get ignored. I have mm -hmm. had my argument uh, uh, misrepresented by others. I've had uh, others claim credit for the work. Jesus. I've had others um, uh, just ignore it. But nobody has actually, once I've laid out the argument, no one has actually showed me where I'm wrong or said this is where I disagree. Where 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 the detractors come is in, on some of the other related issues about you know my my arguments for solutions or my broader politics. Or, or maybe just who I am personally. Reparations. But the question about reparations, obviously, you know, some of those other, which are all that. Look, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm here. You know, I deserve to be critiqued like anybody else. But, right. but nobody. I've look. I've reached out for a long time. I've reached out to to trained economists, to uh, people of different political persuasions. I've really tried to get people like tell me where my argument is wrong because because I used to think the same thing. Like, how could I be the only one? seeing this or or catching this uh but no so nobody i'm not aware you know so i'm still waiting i you know i usually i just get ignored i just don't get invited to the okay. table that's okay. what i'm saying but i understand it that's how elder does me sometimes too man you don't let me come hang out with the cool folks but it's it's understandable i, I like i said the, the work is still incredible and i mean it it makes me feel some sort of way, but my fear also is, based on what you're saying, a lot of people can associate that with you. And I, I don't say this disparagingly, and I don't mean this as me saying it to you, but could make it come across as you being a tool of the Democratic Party, right? Because that's some of the language that some of these um, more progressive folks may be using like the AOCs, the squads, those sorts of people. So it's like, okay, you, you're you now parroting that type of rhetoric. What would you say to folks that may want to lump you into that into that circle? Read the book? 
I mean, besides read the book. Maybe. I mean, I, you know what? Like I mean, that's an interesting question. I, I, you know, I, look, I will say this. I will say this. It's funny because it, when, when you and some others have said this is the most controversial thing or this is a controversial book, to me, it's politically by far the softest public product I've ever been associated with. Um, so, 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 I, so on some level, I can understand why somebody, I guess I could understand why somebody might end up concluding what you're saying, concluding if this is their only introduction to, to me, because the book does say, as, you know, focus as my only uh, uh, suggested, con you know, conclusion is involving some sort of public policy, uh, I don't say anything about the Democratic Party. I certainly don't rep, uh, uh, um, uh, reference any of them as exemplars of doing any of this kind of work. But but uh, I could see how, because I don't aggressively advocate the development of a third party or a block or anything else, that somebody could reach that conclusion. And that's that's that's. So my only the, my only real response to that would be if. If you develop an electoral political platform or public policy platform agenda and that uh, that calls for a redistribution of the 20 trillion dollar gross domestic product of the annually of the United States, as, as I'm arguing in the book. So that everybody has health care, free education, uh, housing, et cetera, and so forth. If if that is what if that's what the Democratic Party addresses itself to and actually try, then I will start to to uh, um, change my opinion of the Democratic Party, and I'll say then we can support that. Right uh, now, but 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 I have never in my lifetime or in anything I've read historically seen a Democratic or Republican Party willing to do any of that. Uh, all that they're both willing to do, even the so-called most radical of the Democrats, is redistrib redistribute the GDP upwards to their friends and their donors. Uh, and that's why Barack Obama can't claim to, to be a grassroots community organizer and now lives on a 40-acre estate in Martha's Vineyard and writes ridiculous uh, uh, <laughs> memoirs oh, telling incredible lies about his presidency and the world we live in. So, you know, that's what the Democratic Party does, and then his 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 VP is is about to ramp that up again. Coming coming next, coming to you live in the spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting. I mean, when you look at some of the more local local happenings, or I guess more recent happenings, not local. Um, I think they had a bipartisan group recently. I think either today or yesterday evening came out and said that they were going to pass or try and pass a nine hundred and eight billion dollars stimulus. Uh, to get checks out and so on to folks that are in need. Now, that's not just checks to you and I, day-to-day -day folks, but uh, what is it, continuing unemployment checks and all those other things. Mind you, they had started, Democrats specifically, had started at like $4.5 trillion as their starting point of negotiation. And somehow, some way, wangled it all the way down to $908 billion. After I told you that the Treasury and the Reserve gave gave folks up, upwards of four point five trillion dollars just like that, without batting an eye, so I think it's very very interesting. Like when we look at this, and when we start thinking about how the policy affects our long term goals, our long term situations. My question to you, given all of that, is how do we effectively? How do we effectively combat or affect our policy? I know it's not necessarily just voting people because we've been told for years who to vote for, vote for this person, they're gonna do X, Y, and Z, you'll see X, Y, and Z happen. And we've been going through this routine for how many donkey years? What do you think is the more, I guess, the best strategy for us to affect our policy? The only thing I can keep coming back to again is we have to be more politically organized and within those organizations more more militant and aggressive in in uh, um, going after those goals. I think if 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 we are developing a set of public policy platform agenda items that specifically target a redistribution of the wealth that's created, not that don't talk about um benefiting one end of the creation of wealth or the other that is it shouldn't Not benefit like socialist talk dr ball 
Okay. I mean, then let it be. I mean, let it be. I mean, overwhelmingly, you know, 72, even a Fox poll I saw the other day said almost 80% of the country wants Medicare for all or wants at least the government to do more for health care. So, yeah, I mean, so, so, I mean, again, I don't care if we look, I get why they would label it socialist so that people would become afraid and walk away sure, from sure, it. Sure. Uh, uh, so I, that's why I'm saying whatever organizational formations we take can talk, can deal with the branding. It doesn't, I, I can't be expected to have it all figured out, nor should I, you know, like I, I don't, but, but the, the, the organizational efforts will, will determine what kind of branding we put on it, what kind of a, approach we put on it. But the point I think always has to be, as, as others have pointed, uh, phrased it, it has to be about an equality of outcomes, not opportunity. Hmm. So it shouldn't matter if I own the pizzeria or if I'm buying the pizza. Both of us are creating wealth. The process hmm. is what creates the wealth. If you, if, if we're seeing it now. If you have a pizzeria and you don't have me to buy the pizza, then having a pizzeria doesn't that, that doesn't create wealth by itself. Yeah. You need me to buy it. So instead of telling us to stop shopping and buying rims and whatever we're buying, I mean, we should be said to buy more. Go shopping because that that ten dollar latte is keeping somebody in a job okay. and with healthcare. That, that those rims you know, uh, that emptied your bank account are going to keep somebody in a job. And then the point would be that the wealth created in that transaction would mean it shouldn't matter if you empty your bank account because the basics are going to be covered. Your health care, your, 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 your housing, your food, your education, the, the water in your environment. I mean, everything would already be taken care of because that wealth would be redistributed instead of into the hands of the, the owners back in some way to the rest of us. So that's, that's, that's the only way I can think of practically to focus on something that's going to get us logically <clears throat> anywhere. Because otherwise, you know, what I, what I think of white people or what others think of Latinos or what black people think of white, you know, all of that is going to become uh, uh, used against all of us to the point where we don't get anything. Mm. Uh, but the the crumbs of a $900 billion package, if they even get that much. I mean, if it even, I mean, that's just what they're proposing now. Nothing's going to happen before the spring. So people still going to be starving and struggling and, you know, throughout the winter, no matter what. And then and then it's still going to be a pandemic. And then we still going to have people that need to have jobs when they come back. I mean, that's why I mean, the news when it came out a couple of weeks ago that 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 even Boris Johnson had to approve an 80 percent coverage of people's incomes while they were going through. the. I'm like, even that dude was politically forced to do something he's not prone to do. Folks, too, like you wouldn't expect. It. I was very, I was flabbergasted the other day. But now it is because they live in a mostly white society and they don't have, so they're more prone to care for each other, even when they have a conservative in office. <laughs> but, but the reality is still that that is a standard that we need to be putting on the table here instead of let's just get by, you know, get Biden in there and hope that that him and Kamala will do. I mean, we can't keep doing this stuff, man. But anyway, but that's where, but these are the issues where people start to get mad at me and lose sight of the argument about buying power. So that's why I tried to write the book the way I did to say, look, I'm trying to keep this, I'm trying to keep my politics out of it. It's hard, but I'm trying, I'm trying to just keep it. And then you all can figure out what we do next. Uh, I think that's that's one of the beautiful things about it too, because I know when I, I initially read the book and I passed the book on to someone and, you know, they, half-assed through the book because they immediately are conditioned to immediately okay so what's his solution then what what does he propose then yeah and i'm like obviously you didn't read the book because within the first couple of pages he clearly states bro listen uh you're looking for me for solutions in this a decade of doing this uh I don't have a solution, but I got some ideas that are outside of this book. So it was really just going back to the earlier conversation, the difficulty, man, of getting people to just grasp this information. Because when you look at it again, the math doesn't add up. The fact that it's only one source. Doc, the one source for me blew me away. And Nielsen being... Whenever we think of Nielsen, we think of what? Television ratings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 
Look, and then, you know, know. And, and, black marketing is what really got me, man. Well, 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 it's also funny, by the way, you know, I, I, I did, you know, a report on this myself a couple of days ago. But, you know, the 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 sister that I write about in the book, who's largely responsible for helping Nielsen marshal those reports, is now suing them for racism. And of course, Nielsen has a past of being you know, of, of of racism in their ratings, not monitoring black communities properly. I didn't even get into that in the book, but that's uh, I probably should have. Uh, but but that's that's, you know, but again, even as they say, when you look at the Nielsen reports, all they're doing is assessing where uh, where black consumers are buying their what, what they're buying. They're not they're not making points about the the in fact they say this is not a, we're not saying that black people are, we're not talking about their income or their wealth. Yeah. And then when it comes to buying power they're only referencing the selling center. So they're not even actually producing any new information about buying power. They're just mm-hmm. copying pasting buying what Selig says. Uh, uh and then even really beyond that the Selig Center report is really just Jeffrey Humphreys. So it's it's as far as I can tell. Uh, you know, I, I, in historically, I've reached out to him. Uh, right now, we'll see if it ever comes out. But there might there's supposed to be a Wall Street Journal reporter as, working as intermediary between me and, and them to try to figure out who's right. Uh, so we'll see if she actually, you know, if I, if if this shows up in her article, if it ever comes out. But my point is, it might even just be really just this one white guy who's creating these numbers to help people make money, and then it's uh, and allowing it to be misreported. Uh, in the press uh, uh, every year since 1994, I believe, um, uh, to, to the point where it's just believed without question. It's, I mean, it's 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 fantastic as an example of propaganda. I mean, it, it, for the study Phenomenal. of propaganda, it really is perfect. Insidious. It's insidious <laughs> and almost addictive. Yeah, it is addictive. It's addictive. Yeah, it it's, it's it's an easy it's an easy addiction to have to to Absolutely. want money to want money to want to want money to empower you. Yeah, and it's easier. It's it's. I mean, I get that too. It's easier politically to say we don't need movements and organization and radicalism, and we don't need, need to money. worry about self defense. We don't need to worry about this or that. All we need to do is spend our money better and start a business, and it's. And I'll and and I'll reach out to you uh, to maybe come back when it comes out next month. But uh, I've just uh, been part of a group completing a, a, a research paper, a, a white paper specifically, on the history and condition post COVID of Black businesses, and I learned a lot more. Uh, um, and long story short, is Black business development does does nothing, literally nothing. Um, for instance, since 1992, more than 2 million black businesses have been created and the percentage of the national revenue generated by all businesses has only gone up from 1% to 1.3%. So all of these, so black people create businesses. Black people are have no problem doing that. It's just that black people don't have any money and can't attract the investment to grow those businesses to make them mean anything. Uh, black media, and you can then target it to tell. And even then, it's only a handful. I mean, and look, 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 look at, look at, look at, look at Byron Allen uh, abused the his, you know, his blackness to yeah, to rally black people to to get his con. But none of his programming targets black audiences, has black Ooh. relevant content, doesn't offer black news, or certainly space for black radical discussion. He doesn't. It's just it's just soft stuff. And then he turned and then he, he and then he uh, um, uh, makes his appeal and, and ultimately a settlement for several billion, I think, to get on some cable channels. And then that's it. Um, never heard from him since. And then, you know, so Roland yeah, Martin tour for a minute trying to push his. And I, go ahead. Speak about Roland, because I hear no. Roland talk about that one point four trillion all the time, all the time. And then if you look at the bottom of his unfiltered page, it says right there that his show can help something with, you know, you know, do something with marshalling that one point whatever trillion because he wants to attract ad revenue. But my point is, it's only them. How many other, you know, how many, you know, we could probably come up with several more, but there aren't that many big time black commercial media figures. Uh, And when they get there, they are, you know, highly syndicated, highly commercial, highly limited. It gets soft. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the people that reach the greatest amounts of our, our communities are carrying a very different message. Um, and then even among the, the, the so-called left or alternative uh, environment, white or black, there's there's either not a lot of money, 
not a lot of audience or lot not a lot of interest in some of the the uh, uh, you know sort of associated uh, issues with this kind of topic. Um, because I am arguing, I get it. I am you know it does come with some difficult um, conclusions to reach. If if we can't do this, then what are we going to do? Yeah. Uh, if we can't do that, then what are we going to do? So I get all of that, but it but it does create a difficult you know. Uh, create some difficulty. Um, I mean, a way of uh, overcoming this immediate sense of powerlessness at the idea of wrestling with politics. But we're not powerless. That, that's the part I want no, to clear. Yeah, yeah, that's a lie. That's a that's a myth too, right? The the, the powerless. The, the 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 idea is that the, the the lie is that our power is in is is in buying and in business. Right. Right. The, we are tremendously powerful, and that is why we've seen even even in something as disorganized as this summer's uprisings around George Floyd, you see the society has to start making some concessions. Now they're soft, they're symbolic, they're they're empty, but imagine if what was happening over the summer was more organized and connected to other things. What if it was connected to labor strikes? What if it was connected to sustained sit-ins, like yeah. King was arguing at the end of his life, where they're you know you're shutting down daily business. You're not just picketing and going home. What if it? I don't know any number of different things that 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 people reach when. And this is going back to where I where I've started, where 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 people get off camera, off mic offline, in rooms, where they can vet, where they can build, where they can organize, where they can debate. That's where all the beauty is. Those are the spaces that I started from, and they are the best. You don't get any money or any attention, but they are the most fulfilling spaces, even when there's just a handful of people. And out of that is where historically in this country and around the world, all of great change occurs. We've been convinced that we have to buy stuff and then create events that get a lot of attention publicly, uh, but event planning is not political organization. So that's the trajectory we need to go back to and and uh, or, or reaffirm. Um, and that's where all the real answers will come. I mean, every single one of them. Dr. Jared Ball, man, we really appreciate you taking the time out and dropping a whole bunch of gems. I know that you've got a busy schedule, so we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, man. No, I appreciate it. No, I'm just up past my bedtime. That's all. But, but, <laughs> but listen, I, I, I really, right. it's, it's facts. I mean, it's facts. I would be in bed by now, but if, if I really appreciate what you're doing, uh, I, and I'm happy to come back anytime and, and I, you know, I greatly, uh, you know, enjoyed myself and thank you very much for having me on, you know, no doubt, and, no doubt. and peace to you. We try to minimize and keep our quota of light skinned people on the show. So continue. Oh, man. Oh, well, you, when you drop me off, the, maybe the balance will be res, you know, restored a little bit. And, yeah, there, there, there's, and I there's apologize a, there's for that. There's a leading, no, there's a leading majority. But, Doc, before you go, before you go, tell yeah. folks where they can get the book. Tell them where you're at, where they can find you. Give I mean, that's sort of my that. point. I happily, look, I, I happily don't make any money off the book. So I was even more happy that when people got into the streets and encouraged the publisher to 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 reward that uprising with with a free copy of the book. So you can you can get a free digital copy. Uh, just go to imixwhatilike.org, imixwhatilike.org, which is not, the I is not singular. It's a shout out to Steve Biko, who used to do I write what I like. So it's not, you know... It's got a whole different meaning, but I mix what I like.org, get the free copy of the book. And then we have a lot of other great content there as well uh, that people could, could check out. Uh, and at I mix what I like for all your relevant social media. And I'll definitely all, you know, hit you all up with uh, these new reports come out and uh, uh, you know, other events. So, you know, and I appreciate you. Thank you all very much. No doubt, no doubt. Thanks doc. Thank you very Thank you. much. Sir. Have a good one, man. Stay likewise. Again. Likewise. Anytime, man. Take care. You too. All right. Peace. All right. All right, all right, fellas, so we've just gotten out of a conversation, an incredible conversation. What were your first thoughts as we spoke with, or what are your final thoughts as we finished speaking with uh, Dr. Ball? Either one of you. Um, for me, <clears throat> it, was, uh, it was encouraging. It was enlightening. Uh, and to be honest with you, it was a sense of validation also. Uh, to see someone of Dr. Ball's caliber, his pedigree, his education, his years in activism, his years as an organizer, 
reaffirm many of the things that I, little old Elgin, have been saying here for the past couple of years mm -hmm. has really helped me. Like, it's something that when you, a light bulb goes off in your head and you're like, man, it doesn't make sense. And then other people of a higher pedigree turn that light bulb on for you even brighter yeah, to affirm yeah. what you're saying. It really, so now when I'm organizing and doing grassroots organizing and I'm giving this information to people, I don't get as frustrated when they push away because my man, Dr. Ball had 10 plus years yeah, yeah. of pushing us. He's been doing this for, for over a decade and he's right, still getting stressed. Yeah, it's like I'm looking like complaining for it. So I, I feel good, man. No Appreciate doubt. Dr. Ball. Crush, what were your thoughts, man? Um, yeah, I was definitely, uh, invigorated and, uh, I was, uh, inspired definitely by, uh, you know, the, the line of thinking that he was putting out there and has been consistently, you know, for, for some time, um, you know, brings several questions to bear, you know, cause, uh, the, and it does redouble and, and make, uh, make crystal clear where our focus needs to be. Um, you know, but it makes me wonder at the same time, you know, uh, establishing a political power base of our own. Wouldn't that, I mean, I, I didn't know if I, had, I know we didn't have time for the question, but it made me wonder, um, you know, shouldn't that political power base go in hand with some form of, of black wealth, quote unquote, mm. you know, um, right. You know, cause, uh, I mean, or, or are we trying to play the game on a, on a completely different level that regardless of a price tag attached to a campaign, I don't know. These, these were, that, that was the rabbit hole my mind was going in, but the fact that he had my mind working in that direction <laughs> had me, had me bumping up against a lot of things in my, in my, in my, in my heart that I felt were necessary mm -hmm. for us. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I realized that, you know, that, you know, that, that was, there's a trick, there's a trick there. And I, I felt I, I was, I was smelling assimilation. <laughs> so I was, so I really, this was a, this was, this was a, a very, uh, a very provocative, uh, and very inspiring, uh, conversation, uh, just like that in our more recent one with Dr. Greer. Yeah, no doubt. I really appreciated his honesty, man. And his, 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 um, his emphasis on making sure people understood that he was not coming at this from any political spectrum. He's just right. talking about the facts and where he's trying to lay right. what he's seen and what he's taken the past decade to unravel and try to unpack. And here right. it is. This is the evidence for you. I don't have all the answers, but this is what I've got. This is what I've studied. Yeah, what yeah. I've come up with. I'm going to let you guys that deal with those things come up with more concrete answers so that we can come to a more uh, concrete uh, conclusion or solution to it all. So that's what I appreciated out of all of your videos. Yeah. All right, Crush, where can people find you if they want to find you, my man? Man, find me on Instagram at SP Methods, a.k.a. Bridge, only because I'm finding too many cats out there with the SP moniker. I got to remind people who I am. And you can also find me, uh, you know, at the Orange Crush, uh, with my lovely wife, who's going to save the world and all your children uh, in education. Um, you can also check out my uh, my boys at amphibians.com with our new album, Breathe Volume 1. And uh, yes, I do have more stuff coming out. <laughs> Elgin, where can people find you if they want to find you, man? Yeah. Of course, you drop albums like you got hair products. I mean, gotta feed the beast, man. Gotta feed the beast. I see you. But hey, man, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Elgin Bailey. No doubt. And I'm Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore In the Black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. Shout out to Dr. Ball. Thank him once again for coming on the show and helping us figure these things out. If you like what you hear, make sure that you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Help support Black media. Help us to get these conversations out. These are the real conversations that we should be having on a regular basis. And we're not going to have, we don't have any filter. So you're not going to get that watered down perspective that you may get from mainstream media. So make sure you support black media, follow us across all social media platforms and make sure you go to our website, www.intheblackpodcast.com to check out previous episodes. But as always, until next time, informed, intelligent. In the black. In the black. Peace. Peace. This is, this is the 
in the black This is... 